a great leader is someone who inspires willing action. And the follow-on from that is is a leader that's a leadership is not about who's got the most followers or who's got the most people or the biggest car. It's a true leader is someone how many leaders they develop. You're listening to Trade Mutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class, hosted by Dan Allen and Ed Ross, the co-founders of Trade Mutt. If you're a fan of Trade Mutt's 120 Grit, we'd love to hear what you think. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. Hey, mate, how are you? Mate, I'm not bad. I'll tell you what, I'm buried in quotes, though. I've got customers reaching out flat out. Well, that's good. Sounds like business is booming. Yeah, it is, but I tell you what, it's taken me so long to put quotes together. It's just like labour costs, cost of goods, it's just, you know, it's forever changing. It's a bloody nightmare. Yeah, you're right. Subbies are always changing their rates too and you've got to keep up with it all. Yeah, uh, I know. It's a nightmare. What have you got to use? Have you got a program, spreadsheet? Yeah, thing? Excel. Excel. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty old school. You should check out Simpro because you can do some pretty cool stuff with that now. Like you can sort of separate all your you know your different contractors you can itemize their labor rates you can present multiple quoting options for your customers and you can easily add on extras and bundles it's actually just a breeze to use mate so. where do i find these guys heard of the world wide web yep all the w's.simprogroup.com and be prepared to get your shit sorted mate i'm looking forward to it thank you very much no worries anytime anything else i can do for you yeah that's enough yeah sweet righto see you later Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. This is the profound quote by Albert Einstein that is the driving philosophy behind Leanne Harding's strength-based approach to developing both teams and effective leaders. In this podcast, we dive into the topics of leadership, culture, and how to create an environment that fosters success in the workplace. This former stunt woman has built a 30-year-plus career working with people and leaders to understand their strengths and build teams that maximise their potential. This was a really insightful yarn that somehow started and finished with an Australian icon, the frill-necked lizard. Hope you enjoy the frilly. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Trademarts 120 Grit, the podcast for the working class today. That's right. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Today we are lucky enough to have a very special guest. Every week. Every week they're special. Today, we have Leanne Harding. Now, Leanne is the founder of Passions and Profits. Passions or passion? Passions. Passions. We're going for more than one passion. She's a board member for Clowns Without Borders. And this former stunt woman turned leadership mentor is no fly in, fly out seagull who screeches loudly and moves on. Let me guarantee you that. Leanne, welcome to the studio. <laughs> wow. That's, that's amazing. What an intro. How was that? Lord. Hang on, here you go, Ben. Snap. <laughs> Help me. Did that work? That worked for me. I sound great. <laughs> Former stunt woman. Yes. Can I just say, before you were born, in the times when they used the sound effect for punching someone was hitting a cabbage, that's when I was a stunt woman. I actually knew that. <laughs> How did like you get the, into being a stunt woman? Well, I just loved the in the movies, I'd always be asking, you know, who did that? And it would always be a stunt person. It wouldn't be the movie star. And, of course, I just loved that idea. I thought, oh, how brave are they? And then I worked out... <laughs> You know, it's more dangerous working with a team of staff than it is actually being a stunt woman because you work the risk out. So it's that, such a crazy idea to think that you you don't want to be the actor on the show. You want to be the person in the background doing it for them. Well, look at all the exciting stuff they do, and it's less risky, really, than the actor. Yeah, right. Maybe like once a time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt and uh, what Leo, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a cracker. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you became a stunt woman? Uh, I started when I was 15 and trained for about three years. Under, at the time, the gentleman who was the head of the stunt um, crew then, which is going back a long ways, but um, Graham Maverick, he used to actually do about 80% of the stunts. So in some of the old clips you see of Paul Hogan, he would be the one doing the stunts. In some of the major movies that were around at that stage, he would be coordinating and doing the stunts. And I saw an ad, I always liked... Um, always like watching the movies and seeing all these great, you know, blowing up stuff and people jumping. And I thought, oh, a bit exciting. And then he put an ad out. And so amazing because in those days, and this was in Victoria, and in those days this was when World Championship Wrestling was on, which is before you were all born. And it was on Saturdays, you know, Dad would spend the time and all the men would watch these wrestlers. And so our training crew, and I always believed the wrestling was real, and our training crew at 15 and 16, I'm learning from these professional wrestlers that are on the TV on the weekend. I'm learning how to fall, how to, how to land, how to um, do karate chops, how to strap. I met a, just amazing – I met this man who's actually licensed to blow people up. He had the only licence and we went to his place and he's cutting up sticks of jelly night and then it'd be put with blood plaster against you and you'd be taught how to run. You know, you see in the movies in Gallipoli where the – there's the bullets running up beside and you're running up in the middle. Well, in those days, you'd actually have to press a pressure point when you ran. It wasn't all automated. And, um, yeah, so... Oh, so not actually shooting at you? <laughs> well, if I, if I actually... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if they did shoot at you or you're hit by a car, yeah, you'd have to react. You were taught by the wrestlers how to fall and how to look like you were hurt but I mean, not, not fall. You've never been yourself. shot, have you? <laughs> not that I recall. <laughs> So it's probably pretty old now, but it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. And also, too, we'd have to set our own rigs up. So nowadays they have airbags when you jump from buildings, but in those days you would have to set your own rig up and we're taught, you know, how to put the tyres and the mattresses and the cardboard boxes and then you put a tarp over it. And it taught me, too, that if you don't keep your eye on where you're going to land, you actually will miss the mark. And so in real life when a stunt person does that, you you actually focus where you're going to land. It makes a difference. So there was a whole lot of weird lessons. It's uh, safer to be a stunt person than it probably is for anybody else who goes out and drives because they prepare everything and they manage all the risks. And so I sort of like to use that with when you're working with um, people now and leaders because it's a great segue in the fact that um, – all those dangerous things, you don't realise how risky it is and, and how you can actually put other people at risk by being a poor leader or by um, the way you treat people, just through the inference in your voice or not being present or putting someone down. And they get enough of that and you can destroy a person and you don't realise what you are doing to other people. A stunt person would never take that risk. Is this, was that just the best segue you've ever heard? What is leadership, Leanne? <laughs> We want a definition of what leadership is. Because I was thinking upstairs before you came down, I was like, I don't even know how I would define it. Uh, I know generally, but not, you know. Yeah, well, my favourite saying, I've got a lot of favourite saying, been around a while. Um, my favourite saying is, uh, a great leader is someone who inspires willing action. And the follow on from that is, is a leader that's, a leadership is not about who's got the most followers or who's got the most people or the biggest car, it's a true leader is someone how many leaders they develop. So it's actually someone that works behind the scenes and creates the environment and recognises, you know, they talk about coaches and mentors. It's 
a combination of someone on a cheer squad that's saying you can do it even if you miss that shot, someone who's a coach who understands um, and sees your skills and believes in you and understands with a bit of tweaking, you could do this really well. Do you think, like, when you talk about a good leader as someone who develops more leaders yep. in a workplace, there might be a resistance to kind of do that because if you impart enough of your knowledge and skills on someone working beneath you, that they'll eventually just come up and maybe overtake or leave. Yeah, but that's a perfect – Okay, is that the, in on that yeah. just because um, my wife said that the other day. She's like um, – I think she was in this Harvard business class thing she did and it was um, the same thing, but it was like – wouldn't you rather take the risk on them staying? You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm like. Th- yeah. I, I agree. But yeah. do you think the mentality is that, is that, you know, that instead of developing a leader to become like you, that maybe a lot of business owners and leaders out there tend to just keep, you know, everyone down a peg or two just so they can sort of remain the top dog? You know, there's a lot of really great leaders. And how you know they're good leaders is because you don't, they're not standing out the front taking the glory. So they're the quiet ones. It's like the press. The press works really well because it reports negative news because that appeals to our primal instinct, you know, a primitive reptilian brain. That's the one that's always looking out for things that could go wrong. And whether somebody's um, a narcissist or whether somebody's a really poor leader or someone doesn't want to help someone, the analogy we use, um, or one that I've been using for decades, is... um, you know, in North and Northwest Queensland and Australia, we have this amazing lizard. It's called a frilly or a frill neck lizard. And I, we just love, um, and I've used it for decades, is because everybody gives you all this great science about how you should be a leader, all these great training courses and what you should do. But it's all based on fear. And so um, a frilly, the bit I like about a frilly is it's unique. Throughout the world, most people know what a frilly neck lizard is. It's got this big frill around the outside and it's got some teeth but in actual fact its primary cause of defence is first it bluffs and so it lives in a tree and it's got this little scrawny lizard and three quarters of its length is a tail and it's quite brightly coloured and it's camouflaged and what it does is it sits in the tree so it can notice in a long way off it's paranoid in relation to everything's going to be scary or eat me so it sees things off and watches from the tree and it's very clever too because its first line of defence is hide. And so then what it does is it will keep something between it and you or the thing it perceives as a threat. So if you've ever seen a frilly in real life, if you see it in a tree, you walk around the tree and it actually keeps moving so it keeps something in front of you so that you can't see it. So it uses camouflage. A bit of a blocker like NFL. It's, well, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a keep, keep me out of the way. So I'll bring it back to the human content in a minute but if you can just follow the story so it's defense first of all is camouflage or hide if it's caught down on the ground it only hunts at night so it, it narrows its chances and of course most people have seen the frilly in the bright red red sand of the central australia but it actually does live in the northern parts, so it can be green or brown and what happens is when it's caught in the open it's got teeth but its next defense is it perceives something's a threat and immediately most people have seen it um, it will actually make sure it looks bigger. So it uses bluff. So immediately brings the frill up. It's got a brightly coloured mouth. It'll actually hiss and it's really brazen. It actually steps towards you and hopefully it can get you to back off and then it'll just keep following you. But if you stand your ground, the bluff hasn't worked. So then I don't know if you've ever seen, but I hope anybody who hears this story just goes on to 
onto YouTube or something has a look, its next offence is run. <laughs> and it runs to the nearest tree. And it's the most comical run. It's one of the few lizards that runs on its back legs. And yeah. it runs super fast. And then what it'll do is it'll go for higher ground so it can then watch the danger. So it's all based on fear. So poor leadership or the analogy I normally use is if you're feeling fearful, have you still got your primal brain thinking actually controlling your reactions? That lizard brain that actually controls is protecting you. There's no longer a saber-toothed tiger, but you've got lots of other fears that are still there. And it's understanding that you might be behaving from a, like a lizard or a leader could be. And so the example is, is somebody who's fearful, let's use a person, not a leader in this particular case, but somebody who's a bit fearful and a bit scared of people or their reputation or whatever it is, what they'll do is they'll watch to watch people off in the distance perceiving they're actually a threat. So they might put their diary or they might put, you know, oh, book an appointment with me, make an appointment, come and see me. Or, look, I haven't got time to see you now. Uh, Look, I'll see you later on and they'll use appointments. Or they'll say, no, speak to that person, don't speak to me and I'll make time if if it's okay for me to see you. Now that's transferable to leaders too because they're fearful. So then they use the bluff. If that doesn't work and then they're caught somewhere in the open in office and someone wants to talk to them and they're a bit fearful, um, or in the case you used an individual, but I'll use leaders. And then what they'll do is, is they'll do the bluff. Now, the bluff can come in lots of ways. If someone's questioning their authority or if somebody is feeling threatened, what they'll do is, is and are really skilled, they come by other names, by the way. In the real world, they're called bullies or controllers or manipulators or a narcissist. Um, what they'll do, and if they're really skilled, they can do this sitting down. They actually start to puff their chest out and then they put their frill up with their hands on their hips and they get louder and they get more animated in their voice and their mouth opens really loud. Can you see the analogy? And they bluff to to get you to back down. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll run off to their office and they'll seek higher authority or they'll use a pack mentality to get people together to isolate that person to control them. So that's not quite the answer you were looking for, but I think that poor leadership comes whether it's um, survival mechanism because if you're someone who's timid, you can use all of those things and you're really nervous and they're pinpricks of anxiety because you're always feeling threatened so you're oversensitive. It's your primal brain that's driving that fear. Mm. And neuroscience has proven that. Um, and then, and that changes the chemicals in your brain, and you have that continually going through your body for years and years and years, and you can actually make yourself quite unwell by being in the wrong position, the wrong job, or under the wrong in the wrong environment of a job that's not good for you. Yeah. If it's a leader, a leader can actually cripple people by doing that, keeping them in fear. They can also control them because they use the bluff, or they'll go to higher authority, and they'll question the person's credibility or they'll make the job uncomfortable or they'll be careful who they hire that they hire people to manipulate or they keep people under control all of that is a fear mechanism so the thing is is some leaders have got great education and that it looks very sophisticated but in the end i still think they're all frillies yeah well i mean i was (laughs) like we were saying frillies yeah but i and it's a perfect analogy because i even do that I reckon like, you know, when, when I'm stumped on something, I would go through that process myself and I'd do it with like with Dan when we're talking about stuff. I, w- I definitely do that. 
You know what I mean? I can I feel that that happens with me for sure. Well, I mean, without really knowing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just that's just like my that's just the root. Like it doesn't happen often. It's just like when there's an argument or something like that. That is definitely how I. Yeah, and you try and use the bluff to get it to go away. Yeah, or definitely. to manipulate them or to change the circumstances or, you know, try and anticipate what they're doing or, look, I haven't got time or, 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 you know, too many emails. So that's interesting because not many people who would do that have the ability to identify that they do that. Or No, but that. I just think oh, I haven't heard it explained like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I know. But as in like that is a thing. Well, for decades I've been using the explanation because most people who have been in that situation, either a leader mm. or someone that's – in an environment where they're being treated that way or they're so fearful they're reacting to others. So so there is two sides to this really story. One is the person that's really been hurt or damaged and so they're responding for survival mechanisms. Then there are those people, whether they're a leader or whether they're what we call a white ant, actually in the business mm. and they're <laughs> – sorry. <Yeah. laughs> chewing just, the timber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sort of chewing the foundations. Yeah. Everything looks fine, yeah. but really their own security is making sure that, mm. the, that the leader doubts other people. Um, look, I've had 40 years of actually working with people that normally come to me when the, the hardest bit is in all those different organisations I've worked in. They come um, too late. They don't recognise that they're unwell. And so yeah. normally, and whether the leader is because that's been mirrored or – um, there was a great book written in the 60s which is called The Peter Principle, which is about people being pro- promoted to the level of incompetence. So people yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so people can be given promotions or let's start at the bottom. They see an ad that's for a job and they know what they're pretty good at, but that ad's been a generic ad that's had a few alterations. And when they get to the job, probably only 10% of the job is the bit of the ad that they actually are yeah, good yeah, at. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they don't get on boarding that's strict like, you know, a university degree where they say you've got to do this to this standard, you've got to do it by this date, and if you don't do that and we've got these tutors, it'll help you and blah, blah, blah. But I think the thing is that management and, um, yeah, another conversation my wife and I have had is around the fact that people are promoted to management roles when they're not born managers. They might just be good at their job, okay? So you'll just, just okay, you know, Jono's really good at, um, you know, sales. Righto, Jono's been here three years. Jono, you head of sales now. You know what I mean? Well, that's where the Peter Principle came from originally was the fact that, um, you know, this person is really good at their job and what happens is, is there's a position here further up the tree, if you want to use the example, um, because we're going to talk hierarchy here. So um, what happens is, is this person has been really loyal, fantastic worker, really great frontline service. They know the organisation, they're... they're get along with everyone, everyone loves them, then they could do that job. So what happens is, is they put them in that job and this could start young in your career, but they don't get the same orientation because they've been here for ages and they're really liked and do everything. They do their job really well, so they haven't been coached to see can they make the transition to the next level. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and so then what happens is then there's another job that comes up and they're promoted again and they, they want to have the trust of the employer because they've been trusted, oh, how great is this, they've adjusted their money living, et cetera. But then it gets to the point where people are thinking that promotion is actually more success. But, you know, some of the greatest movers and shakers in the world still remain front line. They don't have to be a leader because there's a whole lot of things in being a leader. But the worst is most organisations don't train people into the position. And it's, and it's become a habit and it 
came around some thinking that evolved back in the 60s after the war, 50s and 60s. I completely agree with what Ed said about a lot of people end up in management roles that maybe weren't necessarily suited to be there, but they were just good at their job. The perfect example is a carpenter who becomes a builder mm. right, who goes through their or trade. Or they might be like They yeah. might be really good at their trade and the natural progression and sort of as high as you get in that trade is to, you know, go up, become a builder, be the top dog. But just because you're good at being a carpenter, a builder's job is not carpentry. A builder's job is management, leadership, quoting, you know, being a people Being a salesperson. All of that sort of stuff. But the natural progression is to go to that role. And I feel like so many people go to that role completely unprepared, but they feel like they should be good at it because they were good at the practical skills to get them there. And there was such a – you want to be – you, you want to be good. You, you want to be recognised. It's really a privilege. Mm. But you can go through career stepping up and stepping up and you get really further up in your career and actually being promoted to your level of incompetence and now you're getting fearful of being who's going to find out. So that's sometimes mm. where the frilly lizard comes from, the frilly leader, is because they're protecting their position. I want to probably give a bit of balance with that because I'm very conscious that you're going to have some very highly educated people here that are in management roles. There are some fantastic leaders. and. And their team will know they're a fantastic leader because they're the ones that are having, that they understand what everyone's strengths are. A good leader can be someone from the floor that can work all the way through. And there's some amazing examples. But often it's the case of the people who make the decision of the promotion haven't actually given them the education, the background or the understanding. And they make the assumption and the person says, oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. And we also seem to want to accept, well, if someone's in a managerial position, they're of more value. That's not the case. And there's probably plenty of managers who'd love not to be managers. That's what I love about. Mm. Oh, I can't say this. <laughs> I can't, I, I, Go on. You've already started. Well, you know, COVID-19, <laughs> I'm really, it's really grosses me out that so many families have lost, fam, have lost oh, family yeah, members. But yeah. COVID-19 is the one chance you'll get in history where – Everybody has actually had to stop mm. and whether you're someone who's still got a business going now or you've got all your team have been sent away, there were plenty of managers in there that looked at COVID-19, oh, thank God, I don't have to have an excuse to sack this person or I'm not have to have that conversation or, yeah, look, I wasn't really doing well. And there'll be a whole lot of people at home saying, look, you know, I wasn't really liking that job. I really love being at home. And there'll be others who've gone home and said, oh, look, I don't want to be in a career where it's so risky like this, where I don't lose my job. So this is going to be a reboot for lots of people and leaders too. Yeah, hundred percent. If they get it right, yeah. this is their one chance where they can rebuild an organisation and they can plan to hire the right people in the right jobs. And if you get everyone where their strengths are, their work strengths are, and their preferences, that's how you create synergy. It's like a rainbow. You've got to make sure you got all the varieties of people in the right jobs. What about people who are in a leadership role whose intentions are really good and they're not? They don't fall under that bullying, um, you know, category yeah, or yeah. narcissistic a, or, or anything like that. They're just maybe not qualified for the job, but they mean well when they want to do a good job and they're trying to make things work. And the best example I can give of this at the time was the last year that I worked for Norcon. Yeah, there you go. Pump up your tyres. Get the <laughs> get the tyre pump ready, Ben. No, this was <laughs> no, I'm this was because this was a, the, probably the most stressful year of my life. Yeah. 
right? When um, we had, you know, how many we have? That was a nightmare. Yeah, uh, at least. Probably, yeah, that's so why we had 10, 10 workers <coughs> on the site, ten carpenters, mm-hmm. um, and our uh, boss, our builder at the time, had um, a bit of a, a mental breakdown um, and had to walk away mm-hmm. very suddenly, and there was nothing in place in, in, in a, any sort of hierarchy yeah. to succession planning, to keep which thing, very few people do to keep things going. And at the time, being a well oh. to frame it, this was an organisation that had no flow down of information. It was just at the top, and then that was it. So, but at the time, I was like, righto, there's ten blokes here, and they're all going to be out of a job if someone doesn't do something. So I just put myself in the office. I said, right, I'm going to do this. We're just going to keep this thing going, and I'll keep it going till our boss at the time comes back. But I had sleepless nights, the anxiety that like I was my, I'm a good communicator. I was always communicating with the boys. That's my number one thing to make sure that all the lads are happy. But in the office and, you know, running of things, quoting, I was out of my depth completely, but someone had to do it or there were going to be 10, yeah. 10 blokes who were out of work. And my intentions were solid yeah. and I was learning on the fly and I was doing long hours and it was very stressful. Very long. Yeah, but it was you know, completely out of my depth. And the, I think probably the toll that it took on me at the time, it was a good thing in a way because it was a real growth, you know, phase and it was like I'm always prepared to do the jobs that no one else will want, wants to do. But it was like it wasn't the right time for me and it was it was hard. It was, it was really, really hard. And I reckon there's probably a lot of leaders out there who end up in situations like that who are just a bit out of their depth. Yeah, well, yours was, I reckon yours is isolated to the fact of how, shit it was as in like i don't think there's many people that have dealt but very similar very similar situations yeah, like man, your situation yeah. was full on but it was full on but he was passionate about wanting to support the the aim and the gun. there's there's i've worked had the benefit of working across industries and so therefore when someone has only worked in their industry for a long time and they might swap slightly they think that their industry is, is different from everyone else yeah, but that's trade. But that's trade trade based businesses that for, to a T. And what I was saying before, it's not, you know, everything that we've done here with our business and our employees has been around culture, internal culture, yep. being very transparent, open, honest. This is you know who we are, how we operate, how we do things. You've hired we, things on a values base. Yeah, the people yeah, you've got, even if you're different, your yeah. values are actually matching. But tradies, it's so hard to find tradespeople, right? Like I've got mates that have been looking for builders or chippies since I moved to Brisbane five years ago. You know what I mean? Like it's a nightmare to find chippies, right? So you've just got to take the blokes you can get. But then there's no sort of – that's sort of where the divide currently is between, you know, lack of a better word, like office employees and then trade-based employees. There's really not that flow-through of investment into staff and culture compared, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's across all areas because people get so busy being busy. I'm so sick of that word. Yeah. But it's very true. And that yeah, they, but that's and got it's such an excuse though. That, but, but they're so they're oblivious to the people. That's why I went back to the, the, the change here is, is all of a sudden yeah. now there's been a level playing field mm. and everybody's in it together. You could infect somebody else's mother or grandmother or whatever else. So there's been a whole lot of different thinking. But a lot of that um, business approach is falling apart. It doesn't work because 
you know, there used to be an old saying years ago, which you hear it all the time, but I don't see that it's actually mirrored in people's actions, which is, you know, the most valuable resources are human resources. Yeah, you've just stolen my – I was just about to pipe in with that. Look at that. Top of the list. Hang on. It's wait. just been pinched. Is it, I you, pinched it off your website. I was going to say, this is what I read. It was it's, – it's stuck with me. So much I've written it down and you've just gone and bombed it. But I was going to say, there's, a, there's a bit human, of collusion going on here. Human resources are your greatest asset, which is so true. I mean, we'd be nothing without the people we've got. And all businesses are the same. It's the it's the people you've got in there to continue to make it happen. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's not – people aren't investing into that. Well, Why I th- not? I think people are either gone and answered the ad and they've ended up in a job that's a job that's mm-hmm. not necessary. So the money's been the criteria. And right now, you know, right – this is topical now where people haven't got their jobs and some are – those that have, they're really grateful. So I'm very conscious that this is, is – um, a subject you have to be careful with at the moment because immediately I can have a whole lot of people bird up and say, well, that's not the right way to think. But if people, if the ads were right and the planning was right beforehand and there was a longer-term strategic thinking, which we happen to have a time to be able to do that while people are idle instead of watching the bins being taken out on Facebook. Um, so... <laughs> If you actually spend a bit of time reviewing that, you can see when you got that. It's just like it's. Um, if you uh, use that time to actually think about, well, what are the tasks that are associated? What are the skills that are needed? And then that was mirrored through. It's a bit skewed because everybody's so busy chasing money and everybody's so busy getting the business to survive. And business owners have a lot of responsibility. They've got a team of people, and they don't dislike those people. Those people are actually, you know, there are bad leaders and good leaders. It's just that it's like the news. You always hear the bad ones first. Yeah, yeah. And they leave a – they've got a mortality rate, a mental mortality rate. They create brain crush injuries all the time, but no one sees the injury, so they expect people to work. But I feel like something that, like for us, we, you know, we're obviously scaling, growing, um, have brought on a whole lot of staff because we were completely out of our depth at a point in time there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Since day dot. Completely out of our depth. <laughs> we did <laughs> so much and we exhausted Wrong. ourselves <laughs> – well, no, we did a lot wrong, but we did a lot right. But we exhausted know, ourselves for a period of time yeah. till we got to a point where we could bring in people who knew how to do the stuff that we were struggling yeah. with far better than us. Yeah. And we like to think that we're creating a culture where they know that we need them yeah. to make them feel like they are needed in this business. Yeah. But you and are selectively choosing You're not choosing a number. Yeah. yeah. I know but that you're selectively choosing them. because. Oh, because, and I also know that you didn't, even though it was the two of you doing everything, you were smart enough to make sure that you got mentors and people that were really good and experts in their field before you opened it. And you opened it with a passion. It's not about what your skill is. If someone really believes in them, in what they want to do, they find the right people. There are so many yeah. entrepreneurs that can't even read. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the excuse is, oh, you've got to have a good education. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with your passion, which drives you then to go on. But if you're working in a job that's about money and you're in the wrong spot, you haven't got that passion, so therefore all the time you're having to drive yourself. So you've got that little bit of – Yeah. Well, let's talk – I suppose it's a good segue into the, the whole purpose part, right? And, like, Dan and I have had an ongoing conversation with Ben here as well who's sitting in on this podcast. Ben, welcome. Um, <laughs> is basically around – Really, that from from what we've discussed, the main crux of people, are, you know, having poorer mental health or struggling in Hang life, and I'm going to turn a page here to yeah, go back to yesterday's back bloody days. plan. Is 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 people actually not having their purpose or knowing what they are passionate about? 
You know, I feel like I've sort of like I got to that this point yesterday where you know purpose is such a big thing because yeah. we look at all of these aspects of you know mental health that you know signs and and factors that come into play like financial stress relationships you know abusing vices and poor wellness be it mental nutritional or physical but I don't know it feels like if if people have got meaning in their life. And I think meaning is probably a better word than purpose because purpose can be a bit like yeah, yeah, yeah. your purpose can change, right? Yeah, I think your purpose But it's can, a whole number of things. It could be, you know, you want to be a banker, you want to be a father, you just want to play footy every weekend, whatever that is, right? But my probably my question is, is how do you find what you're passionate about and then can it change? Gosh. There's a big one for you. Just just mull on that for a second. You just gave me a, you, you just gave me the corner of the Mona Lisa and said, describe this. And I got the black corner. I didn't actually get the one with even a half smile. Well, I reckon but I can I reckon I can half answer that question as well. In. Well, because I, I <laughs> Well, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> I think definitely it can change. I think one hundred percent it can change. It can change bloody daily, you know, if you want it to. Like it's it's it depends what situations you put yourself in, I feel, and it depends what things you're out there doing and trying. But for me, I'm passionate about what we do now. I could not be more passionate. I wasn't passionate about being a chippy, but I rocked up to work with purpose like I was supposed to be there. And you're probably – it's got nothing to do with skill. No, this is yeah, to do no with definitely nothing to do with skill with old Derek over here. <laughs> Oh, mate, cheap mate, shot. I cheap taught you shots, everything mate, you know. Cheap so. shots. Cheap shots. <laughs> but, so, I love the Aussie sense of so, humour. The degree to which you insult someone is how much you like them. So the job was great, right? <laughs> really good skill and I could see. I still can. You know, if everything fell over, I know I'd be able to go and jump back on the tools and I'd be able to support myself. Yep. There's this safety net, but it just didn't feel like what I was put on this earth to do. But I still went there like I was supposed to be there, like I was trying to do a good job and I always was. But through a series of events for me that, that, that took place over my entire life has led me to this point now yep. through different relationships, experiences, moving, um, putting myself out there. Yep. And here we are doing this. And I have become passionate about it. I, I was passionate about it from the moment it started. Because you've got purpose. You've actually got a direction. You've got something you're focused on. And all those skills can be redirected to, to whatever your purpose is. Mm. The thing is, is is when we started out, our parents guided us down a direction or a line where we should go. And that would be maybe along the lines of, oh, they look really good at music or they're really good at footy or whatever else. And so parents generally want to see their kids succeed and they also to take note of, well, we don't want them to struggle or we, want, we think this would be a really good career. And so you can direct your children or you can direct yourself on your own experiences down a path that you think will give you the things you need. But it may be not heart-based. It's all logically. Yeah, it but works do you through think, logic. Do you think parents do that as a oh, not def, well, defence mechanism maybe? I don't know, to ensure they the that they're, they're not going to fail. They want, because, you always yeah. want the best for your kids. Oh, and I, even yeah. even if, even you know, they don't come with manuals, so we all stuff it up somewhere along the line. The difficulty yeah. of what someone you and Mum are on the same playbook. There, you've taken that out of the Sue Ross playbook. The that difficulty, one. right? Oh, it's written by someone <laughs> far older than us. Parents want the best for their kids, yeah. But what is the best for anyone? 
How can, oh. you, how can you identify that at such a young age? Gee, I tell you, you know, I didn't realise I was coming these are for the a philosophical. Questions. Next, what is the reason of life? Um, <laughs> so, but this is at a point in time you think, well, the, the best, big issues, the best for this, the best for this kid is going to be yeah, right to play to their to their, to skills, their strengths. You actually, their strengths. Yeah, you want them to win at something. So, if you notice they're good at something, generally, I'm making some generalisations here. That's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but generally, you want people to succeed, and if it's a child. I mean, you've brought that being into the world and you want the best for them so you follow their interests so that you can develop their their skills and their different um, abilities through that interest and the successes they get. You don't set them up for fail. Yeah, well, I think... Definitely I, not, I, yeah. Looking at... I just sort of look at like mates that I've grown up with, right, and the mates that had relatively no freedom are the ones that really, as soon as they got a bit really enjoyed it and like played right up and went down a different path. And the people that were, um, that had the freedom through adolescence and stuff like that to be able to yeah go out and hang out with mates, have a few drinks, whatever, sort of were over that quicker, if that makes sense. And like sort of fell into a, it's the, it's the. This is a real sidetrack, but it's the Crystalia special where he's just. We, have, we <laughs> yeah. love this comedian, Crystalia. You'd probably love him. I, everyone <laughs> probably loves would, him. Everyone. But he talks about when he was growing up and his parents. He comes from a really good upbringing. And his parents said to him, they they weren't like, don't do drugs. You know, and they said, look, we know drugs are a thing. We don't want you to do them, but if you do. Be smart about it. Be careful. You know what I mean? And then he was like, well, I just never did drugs. I was like, I didn't – give me a rule yeah. so I can break it. <laughs> but, but yeah, but basically like that, I, I mean, um, the more – it seems as though the more um, hard-lined parents are from what the kids that, you know, I've sort of grown up with um, that had hard-lined parents sort of, yeah, as soon as they got away and unshackled from that family environment really were like, here we go. Um, Cut yeah, loose. You know what I mean? Like – is that I know the analogy you're using, but but you're probably looking at it from your perspective and your life experience, and there'll be a whole lot of people that's a different life experience and different experience, and there'll be lots of people whose parents were so struggling, did had poor upbringings or had really bad circumstances, so their parenting skills to be able to assist someone to look for the good points may not necessarily even be relative in this conversation. Can oh, I yeah. just can I just disclaimer straight down the barrel? This is not a lesson in parenting. No, we do not know how to do it, and, and I everyone, don't have kids. We don't have kids, and we're sure everyone is doing their best. <laughs> just keep doing, just just keep doing you. Yeah, if they came with manuals, that's really great. And then the unfortunate thing is, is they didn't get the kid that wasn't in the manual. So <laughs> I suppose you learn you know, a lot. They keep you young. Circling back to the purpose part, you know, um, it, there might be a lot of uh, tradies uh, that are listening that you know they may not like being tradies but their purpose could be that they're uh working towards yeah like buying a house or going on a holiday or being able to work well, that's a goal oh, yes. you don't think so that's a purpose well i can't uh, be a purpose more of a goal, i think it's, I mean. a, it's a hard well, how, then how so okay there this is perfect so then that rolls into if you don't enjoy getting out of bed and going to work oh there's there's where you pick it up okay so, so what do you do there so if you don't know if you're uncertain, you, the best way to go is to actually go through a questionnaire to figure out, am I, have I got these traits? Sometimes it's easier to work out what's not working than what is working. And I think, Dan, you and I were talking earlier, um, that you can, there's an old analogy, which is there's a frog sitting in some water and it's in a saucepan and you turn the heat on just very slowly and the frog doesn't realise the temperature's coming up. So the frog doesn't realise his life's at risk and he's not used to that change. So he doesn't know 
that it is in danger or that this is not good for him. If you throw an animal or a frog into boiling water, even though they're scolding, they'll get out of it. But if you heat it up slowly, it doesn't recognise the difference. So the analogy there is meant to be the story to give you something to sort of put the point. You could be really skilled and this is the way you're going to go and you spend all this time in education and you've got a really important job. And I'll just tell you, I was on a podcast um, interviewed last night for a world uh, pharmaceutical um, group. So all of these are really smart people, lots of education, can speak at least two languages because they've got to understand Latin and they've got incredible memories and they've got to be really good at making sure that they measure everything correctly. So there's a whole lot of traits. But these people have actually done all this education and many of them have followed a line or advice or a thought process to become these professionals and then they've got there and they think, I'm actually not happy. Mm. Or I want more. This, this job isn't really a match. I can do it, really good skill, it's, pay, it's a really good income, they're highly respected, but they're not doing something that really matches. They want to do something more, but they made a choice a long way back. That's, and it's, so they don't know how to get out. And it's easy to do that. Look at how you go through a checklist of things to get to your question. Go to a checklist of things as to recognising simple things. Um, am I motivated to go to work? Do I look at excuses to not finish the day? Do I want to go get the coffee as opposed to finish the job? Am I getting delegating to someone else or am I blaming someone else for something that isn't working right? Am I actually feeling at the end of the week or as soon as, you know, I'm counting down the clock and I've actually got the tin, you know, I've been to the toilet just before it ends at five o'clock and I've packed up my lunchbox and I've got everything ready so at the time that the clock card's gone, you're gone. Mm. Um, and you defer or deflect or you could be ill or if you're someone that's on sick leave or, or you're somebody who's got leave in your entitlements, the employer can just go through and I can, when I'm going to an organisation that's not working well as a team, I just immediately go to the leave. And if somebody's used all their leave, I know, hold on, there's something wrong with the environment because this person isn't thriving here. This person, now they could be sick, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is you see this year after year and then there's other people that we know that are so so convinced if I, I love this job, they never take a sick day. Oh, I've got so many questions. That, my first question. That is so interesting. Like, isn't like, that, that, that would be the best metric to go and measure it by. Who's? Yeah. I've never not, thought about that. It's not the only thing, but it's just, well, for 40 years, my job has been to actually go and assist people to get the teams working right. Yeah. Well, wow. question. Here we go. If the, So you're there's an individual in a, in a workplace, right? They're an employee. Gosh, this is they, like, yeah. I don't normally deal in no, no, millions, on, talking you've, to you've millions this, on one podcast millions, for one solution. Yeah, millions, <laughs> tens of millions. Man, if you don't have a solution here. Yeah. No, so an individual, <laughs> it's okay. It's suit one person, Ed, the answer. <laughs> well, I could literally put as an example for me, like at our old job where I was working, um, like I felt as though I didn't, in, I did enjoy carpentry, but I didn't feel as though I was, um, valued i would say like i don't think yep. i was getting enough value right people treating you with value yeah or you so feel you were doing I something i didn't valuable. feel like, like the work i was putting in i don't think i was getting anything back for it yep. like obviously i was getting paid every week ticking a box yeah you know what i mean so i sort of lost the passion for that through through that fact right yep. so for instance if it was different if i had a better boss okay I may not have lost that. I, that may have been my purpose. So it could just be a factor of your environment, not so much the job. Well, does that make sense? Yeah, what? because you can have you can have matching skills, but you can still do lots of different jobs. It's just, um, and that's part of the deal. Is yes, a leader can make a difference, but the leader doesn't. The leader would actually look at what you're good at, 
and the things that you're motivated to do. And normally, you know, there's a, a, a regular thing that you think if somebody is um, practices something, it's because they prefer it. Yeah. And if you practice it because you prefer it, then you become more proficient at it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you are better at it because you like it. It's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing, but it is. What I'm interested to know is what would that have looked like for you? Like, if you f- did feel valued, how would that have? How would you have liked that to have? Oh, appear, like the value manifested. Like how you know? Well, the value part of it was having more information, and like you know how much I enjoy structure. Mm. I would have far rather. He does love structure. Do love structure. <laughs> I've seen I, your profile. I know you like structure. Thank you very much, Leanne. I appreciate hearing that. From a LinkedIn fan, um, the, the the basically it probably what what worked for me um, wasn't allowed to be heard or wasn't being asked. I suppose if that makes yeah. sense. So I was sort of like I was just getting you know I I was thrown in the deep end too. Not as much as Dan here, but like I was thrown in the deep end. Like I was running jobs when I was like a yeah hadn't even been signed off yet. You know what I mean? So. I was, yeah, doing stuff and I'd come from managing people sort of in the territory um, to then, you know, working my way up, again in trade, and yes. then I sort of got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm giving, I'm given all this sort of, um, well, not freedom, but responsibility, um, but I'm not getting anything from the top back on sort of what can work and be better on a whole scale, if yep. that makes sense. So, so that's why I felt undervalued. They weren't asking that. Well, it's, it's I'm not, I'm there's two ways to that because for a start, a leader has a lot of things that they're doing, but also to the leadership hasn't. Now, I went back to that statement that we said earlier, um, the human resource is the greatest resource you can have, but there is a skill in recognising what someone is really doing well at. It's like the like going back to the parent. A leader is someone that notices, like a coach, that you have a conversation and you notice that team member, look, they're not – and I'm going to use baseball as an analogy because I just happen to know baseball. Great game. Um, and um, with baseball, the, co- the coach in any team, they will notice if that player is better as, you know, a catcher who's got a really strong arm, who mightn't be a good batter, or it might be someone that's on first base that can stretch or someone's got a huge arm and they can throw, you know, from outfield in and they're very accurate and someone, you know, over there in, in America, you know, you only have to actually hit one quarter. The batting average is really ridiculous. They actually fail and yet they get in the Hall of Fame. So um, the coach is someone who recognises which position they're best in and the coach is vested has a vested interest in that person succeeding for the game, for the team and for the individual because if they're really good. So they'll practice the skills and if the person hasn't got it, they'll move them. Or a good coach will say, and you've seen this, you've seen rugby players transfer games into a completely different sport or a boxer become something else. So it's, it's a good coach or someone that's a good leader is observing that. And, and that's not a natural skill. You can do, Look, I'm not discrediting um, all the training. Mine's been on the road. There's just happens to be all those incidental conversations over dinner, which was a common thing when I was growing up. And I was lucky enough to go out with people that were creative and had lots of patents and they had the freedom. They also had some other sayings, you know, if you're a genius, you can't make money. Um, but um, there are those, those things. But those incidental lessons taught me that um, the relationships and doing something you love – is far more valuable, but but it's difficult for us to make those decisions when you've had twenty or thirty years down one road, 
and you think, oh, I have to stay here now. This or, is the way it is. Yeah, this is, yeah, I can't change. You can change. You don't have to throw it all out. When's the time for change, Leanne? Another big question coming at you. I think now's a really good time for change because um, people have – been forced to stop. Forced change. I agree. Yeah. Right now, like yeah. it's, it's like it's some, forced change. Like change is definitely like it's it's just a shake up in yeah. your life. That's all it is. And like now, everyone has been forced to have everything shaken up. And, and look, it, there's some per- amazing leaders, but some of those leaders will think this is crap. I actually want to go and work for myself or mm. do something else. I'm like, why am I juggling all these herding cats? What I want to like what Ed was saying about where he was, you know, sort of not feeling valued and like you know yeah. things uh, basically. There'd be so many people who are inside organisations or oh, are working yeah. in companies who feel like things could be done better and feel like they might have the solution but are not empowered. Entrepreneurs? To Is it entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, there's this all sorts of – yeah, that's – Yeah, who, but that's the word. I was like people to that farmpreneurs. Actually, who, yeah, people that want to who make are basically, internal change, yes. They're not empowered or they don't – That's make, easy make, to do. Yeah. But that's, once again, that's about the leader not fearing, um, you know, a really good leader – is one who's really proud to be able to produce other leaders because the, there is a legacy in that. It's not just about them. But that's a different mindset um, and not everybody should be a leader. They might have been given leadership. Um, they might have strived for it, but really they still mightn't be in the most joyful place. If you're aware of the people, you can set all that up and now's a really good time where businesses could review what do I actually need, the business, what tasks are involved, work tasks, and then from that, choose the people in a correctly written task orientated way um, that is associated with the broad span of skills. And because I'm associated with um, assessing people and assisting people to use the tools of understanding yourself through profiling, work profiling, I'm going to have a natural preference to that because to me, profiling with my girls when they were growing up, I chose what they were best in. I had them profiled when they were teenagers to work out what was the best thing for them to, to go in and both of them have, have made incredible impacts because they're doing what they love in line with their strengths. So you reckon we that... Need, we need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. This is a big yeah. time. That's <laughs> huge. <laughs> Basically, I'm just thinking because there'd be a lot of people out there right now that, you know, are thinking, holy shit, I'm in a job. I don't like it. I'd love to change. Um, That's you know, it. It is. It's but, but, not but, as hard. But First what are those? Like but what are those steps though? So, like, someone listening right now in the car, or they're on the job site listening to it. Like, what can they do to, to to see if change is needed, or is it something just internal, like going to their boss? And saying, hey, look, I've got some ideas. Like, that's probably something I should have done. I didn't do it. You know what I mean? But it's like, hey, I've got some ideas I want to start doing. You know what I mean? Like, is it? I, I, I think, well, those people that have got the freedom now and have got an employer or a boss or, or someone that they're actually working with, might be a partner, that has that open conversation, they're not going to necessarily feel that they need to do that because they can automatically do it. It's the ones that are frustrated that actually have leadership or don't have systems where they can communicate or they don't feel safe to express what they really think meaning um, a good leader creates a safe environment for someone to say, I don't want to play this sport anymore. I actually don't want to be in this position or I can't do this job and not be humiliated, actually being praised for recognising they can't do it. That that leader has a really valuable em- employee or a valuable person in the team because they actually recognise where their strengths are and so you just rejig it. Organisation restructures have got, you know, there's some models that aren't really good and everybody's really desperate to get things done and now there'll be all these things employees have got to do. Please understand there are just some amazing leaders and managers that are already doing that. But once again, I'll just say it's the ones that don't do it, the people that are hurt, 
that are damaging people that you hear about and that they're the ones that remember you. And I remember working out in the bush, out central Queensland and I was working with some um, allied health professionals and I would see these amazing people come through really brilliant and really passionate about wanting to make a difference in people's lives and committed to go out there. I mean, some people got sick just driving on a gravel road. They hadn't yeah. been off bitumen. Yeah. And so put them in four-wheel drives always. Um, and so they're really passionate. But the thing was, um, if a leader was thinking incorrectly, they could crush that person just by an inference in their voice, um, not setting them up for the right rules in relation to what did they have to do. Like, you know, when you go to uni, yeah, um, they tell you what you've got to do by what time, who you've got to go to, mm. what the criteria is, what you've got to study. Structure. Well, you can do it stru- You can do it with or without structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. do it in interpretive dance for those that are creative. So you, that, that's interesting. Like just a simple inference in a voice can just crush a person's will or their, <sighs> you know. But like what about leaders have bad days? Leaders have shit days and they've got family, you know, rubbish going on. They've got all sorts of things. You know, are these people expected to turn up every single day and just be this pillar of strength? Like be Gary Vaynerchuk. And 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 when they and and when they do have that off day and that slight tone or inference in their voice just crushes someone, you know, like is that Give credit where it's due. I mean, I'll ask you, if you've got a girlfriend or you've got a family member and they know you're having a shit day, do they stop loving you because you came in grumpy because the rest of the time you've been decent to them or you've come and said, look, I'm having a shit day? I mean, I'm always pretty open with uh, if yeah. I'm having a shit time. You don't really have to guess if I'm not enjoying. Like, I'll yeah, just, you can I'll, tell. I, I, oh, you can tell, yeah. and I also talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we've all seen the post where you cry, so we know <laughs> you're genuine. <laughs> it's being authentic, yeah. and I think people it, and it's admitting to vulnerability. Them, I, don't, I don't have the answer, and and I think in actual, if I'm going to refer, I, I know I sent you just. Last 48 hours, I sent you a link to something that I really believe in. Is if you follow your heart, yeah, look, you, you mightn't get it right. But the thing is, is people can genuinely um, understand it's coming from you. You've made a mistake. And if you're apologising, if you're a leader, look, I made a mistake, I told you the wrong thing. There's so many times I've worked with individuals and I don't know the circumstances, but because I've come in and I've been genuine and I've said to them, look, I don't know the circumstances and I would say things like, look, the inference in your voice, the way you're speaking, are you upset at me? Are you upset at yourself or you're upset at the circumstances? So, you know, and then they'd say, oh, I'm not upset with you. Yes, I am upset with you. It's actually being comfortable where you are and not crushing the person, allowing the person to, to be real and for you to be real. Those, you know, people talk about awkward conversations. There's no such thing if you set it up right. If, you, if people know that you are genuinely interested in them and you've got those leadership skills and you've learnt how to be human as opposed to follow a process, which was based on the 1940s army model as to where we've got this hierarchical system from, um, it sort of doesn't really suit out here. And, you know, there's a few books written right back then. I wasn't alive then, but I have read them. Um, and the model of being genuine, you know, I've been out in the bush for the last 15 years working with companies, I came back here to Brisbane and um, everyone's talking authentic. Everyone's saying, you should be genuine. I'm thinking, shit, when did we stop? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so um, 
it's it's really weird we've made this transition. But if you're genuinely talking to the heart and you genuinely care about people and you genuinely want to do it right, you know, if you care about people and you work with them, look, this job it requires this amount of things to do. You look like you're a match or maybe you're not a match. But you have that conversation when, look, it hasn't worked out and there's a whole process you can do. You can learn to do this. But if it's driven from the heart, you can pretty well say anything because you can cry together and you can work together and getting it resolved. You should look after people coming in as well as going out. It should be it should be an even thing, but it's just somewhere in all the <laughs> clip. That was great. <laughs> Sorry. We she's we, we ruined it with our bloody Mate, snap. That was awesome. That was yeah, deep. but that is a that that is a really uh yeah, Im- impressive thing to say because it's like that the ability for people when they leave that they're leaving better and they're happy. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. If like, someone says they're going, you should be able to have an environment where they tell you when you employ them. Mm-hmm. That's how good it is. Yeah. So you're actually having a conversation. Look, are you joining this job because it's a stepping stone to somewhere else? Do you want to get the experience here? Okay. So how long do you think it'll be? Um, people who will be listening to no one believe it. But I've spent 40 years actually getting teams to work and someone said to me, oh, gee, we've been working at this for, for years and we haven't got this right and you've done it in a month. How did you do that? And I'm thinking, well, shivers. All I did was talk to people. <laughs> shivers, How, I haven't heard that in a while. So I, I feel like maybe there's, you know, a, a bit of a warped perception about what leadership actually means from this just this discussion that we've had because, you know, there's probably – a pretty staunch approach from a, a lot of operators out there, but then there's a lot of I'm operators. I'm sure the universities will hate all of this because it's <laughs> stuff. Nah, but no, we're talking to the working class. But what no, no, it's across the board because there's lots of really, really, really clever people, super intelligent, either learnt or life experience, mm. but they just actually haven't joined the dots correctly. You know the old kids dots game. You know that had numbers, so you get the picture right. I'm still doing it. So we talk about you know everything. We talk about around the mental health space, it's so broad, but ultimately it's about vulnerability and reaching out yep. and asking for help when you are struggling emotionally. But yep. there's also people who are struggling, you know, with running a business, running an organisation oh. and all that sort of stuff. And, and leaders and, are very vulnerable. And yeah, but they don't have a probably have a clue how to reach out and ask someone else for help to come in and help show them how to, how to better do things. You know, it's not really complicated. It's not rocket science. Yeah, I think, is it more, again, is it like, are you trying to bring the leader or the top of the organisation, you know, closer but more on par with everyone else? You know what I mean? Like that's how I feel that we are running our business. Like everyone's on the same playing field, if that makes sense. Like we're all on the same level. It's like, is that what leaders need to be doing? Like bringing everyone onto the same level obviously you report to people or whatever like you've got a site manager and you've got a, a boss but it's sort of like everyone's on the same you know everyone's got input well everyone is of equal value and appreciated for yeah, the yeah. for their strength so there's an einstein saying which i can't remember how it goes but if hang you on tr- i've got it here oh. everybody is a, <laughs> oh shit everybody is a it. genius but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid thank yep. you alberto einsteinio <laughs> It's a very old saying, but it goes along the lines of, of understanding that people have different skills and that people are set up for failure often just through a position description and an ad, which is really suited for a particular – it's written as a standard ad, but for one thing, 
people have different reading skills, people have different interpretations of words and vocabulary. And so if you've got a task that requires certain work preferences and certain styles of thinking and certain ways that you like to work or think or communicate, the ad has to match it because it actually draws the people Whereas a lot of people, oh, yeah, they're yeah, so yeah, busy. Yeah. You want to narrow your focus rather than... Yeah, and yeah. then and you really should have a succession plan thinking all the way ahead. Yeah. Thinking, well, okay, so people talk about churn. Gosh, I'm giving all my jewels away here because I'm going to write some books on this. So look, up the road here, there's a frilly. I just want to copy. It's not trademark, but I just want to let you know that I've got a frilly book coming out. It'll be released next month. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first, people. Plug away. <laughs> I'm pretty passionate about the fact for the last couple of decades there's been a whole lot of bruised people that you can't see the mental health crush injury, mm. that, that, that simple things are being done wrong, that it's very easy to correct. It's really easy to correct. And, um, and it, it doesn't necessarily require you to go, if you're passionate about, about something and you are, have your values aligned and you advertise that correctly, some, some leaders treat their teams as their enemies. <laughs> They don't actually, they've got to watch them or they've got to do things. Oh, and, yeah. and you can do lots of training courses, but in the end it goes down to people are accepting if you're genuine and you don't know. And you asked me about hierarchy. I can't answer the question because there's so many, everybody Variables, who listens, yeah. Yeah, everybody who listens to this, some sentences will resonate with them and others won't. But it's not a court of law. You know, if I'm wrong in one sentence, it suits a different industry. It's not you throw the whole lot out. There's no blanket rule there. No, it's it's everybody is different, but we made that way. And synergy in an organisation is amazing, where you can have five minute meetings and you're only drawing two or three people. And there's lots of books written about. You know, I go with the old masters because because be quite honest, I've lived long enough to hear all the new guys with the great posts and the really good suits and the great marketing campaigns and all they're doing is regurgitating stuff that was written back in the 30s um, or it's a re remake of some of the stuff that was written in the 50s. So um, the genuine books about people and working with people, we haven't sort of really changed. But you, like that, I think this is such a massive point, something you know, I'm pretty passionate about it because I, I think this should be something that's really taught to yes. kids yep. from a very young age. It should be profiling. Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. For, for sure. No, because you're, really pa- you're passionate about it too. Come on, let's go, Leanne. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the whole Albert Einstein quote about, you know, a, a fish shouldn't Alberto be judged. Einsteinius. Einsteinio. A fish shouldn't be judged by its ability to climb a tree. Uh, but there are a lot of fish out there who are trying to climb a tree. Yeah, because people... They're being forced, aren't they? Well, well, people, there's expectations or they've applied mm, for a job that required, that said it was for a fish, but in actual fact the job when they got there had copied the ad from somewhere else um, and someone wasn't certain and then they weren't actually taught how to swim It's a, or climb. A, a really great mate of mine told me a story just recently about a mate of his who looks at Elon Musk, right, and looks at Elon Musk's life and he wants that. He wants that life. I wonder if he's he liking wants, that. He wants that success. But if you go and ask Elon Musk, he didn't want that life. He just wants technological innovation and he wants to get us to Mars and all that sort of stuff. But other people look at him and think, shit, I like my life to be like that. But they don't have the same passion. Well, you can say that about the Michael Jordan thing. All of that. Every, yeah. uh, all of oh, it. Yeah. Pe- don't, don't pinch that out of that conversation. <laughs> I just did pinch that out of that conversation. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> well, you know, if you don't want to be on your deathbed and think, gee, I wished I'd done something. And I, and I think, too, that I've had the benefit of, of – losing someone and then realising I don't have regret 
because I took the time to be with that person when they were alive and I took the time to be interested in what they were interested in and to listen. And so it's the regret that kills you. And um, so many businesses could work extremely well if they just had people where they should be or if they had a proper conversation with someone and said, um, you should be um, hired to do a right job or this doesn't suit. And they help them leave. Everyone should be... Everyone should be remembered for their best. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a great saying that I just love about if only the old could do, and if old, if only the young could know. Yeah. Do you know? Like you talk about people getting to the end of their life and living with regret about not doing the things that they wish they had of, but if only the elderly people had, you know, the the physical capacity to do the things they wish they had have done when they were younger. Yeah, you yeah know? but that's what when we had Glenn in, basically what he was talking about. People are just yeah, getting from the start to, to the end as safely as possible, right? And his whole philosophy is that I don't want to be sitting there as a 70 or 80-year-old and say, oh, shit, I should have. He's just like, well, I might as well just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they are. But there's also a lot of people out there who are so clouded by – Yeah, but that's the yeah, – I know. Like and there'd be a lot of people listening yeah, to this. They don't – but they don't – sometimes they don't know. So we have to be really conscious that people are doing things that they don't know is mm. not well for them because the body's made so amazingly well we can go decades. Mm. And then all of a sudden – you know, all yeah. of a sudden putting that petrol in the in the diesel engine has eventually taken over. It's only a little bit at a time, but eventually it takes over. I suppose, you know, we're, we've crushed a lot here and it's been pretty deep, a lot of it, which has been good. But I suppose a lot of people that are out there listening, like what can what's something that they can take away and implement right now? Like if they are like, wow, I'm a leader or I'm someone in a, in a business that I want to, you know, create some change, you know, what what's the first step? Great. This is the time where I do a pitch, isn't it? For well, hang on. Where's the corner of the Mona Lisa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It is what the is corner. this? So um, the first thing is, is is I think you actually have to put your big pants on and you have to accept that if you are not excited about what you're doing or if you're bis- being mistreated or if the job that finished, you sort of know in your gut Yep. This isn't really what I wanted to do. This is a really great time. There are so many free opportunities at the moment for you to do some additional training, to prepare for when you do go back, to trial some some stuff. But but all the people that are really sick that have really been doing it too long or have been Im- impacted in some way mentally um, and they're actually not well and their family or their best mates will know because they're not as excited as they used to be They've got some wrong thinking or they're really down more than they're up. You know what they – the easiest thing, actually, it's just dawned on me. The easiest thing is rule up a page and put zero in the middle of the page, make it a grid or a t- for all those people that are into to computers and put up to 10 in relation to degrees of happiness and zero is neutral and then down to minus 10. And then a couple of times a day just stop – and measure where you're at. So, and put words next to that. I can, I'll put something on my website, Passions and Profits, which you can just use as a template. It's not our ingenious idea, but it's it's often called a mood measure or an emotional measure. Start to try and recognise where you're at. And then is, if you're not happy about the job or your family say you're not happy or, the, or you're spending less time with the kids or your, your kids are reacting and being a bit careful as to how to treat you or your partner when you're coming home, and you're not energised by your job, they're all signs. Maybe you need to start doing a bit of a checklist. I have put a program together. 
because there wasn't one around. And I, I'm, I had lots of people that weren't used to doing um, PD, personal development for themselves. They're used to doing it about their trade or their job or whatever else. But over the years, I just had people that were in denial and didn't know how to mm. recognise it. So I just put something really simple together. It's not, not you know. Well, it's just such a reoccurring theme in all the podcasts and all the people that we have in and, and you know, people talking about change. But it all comes back to just stopping it, it does. It all comes back to just Yeah, stopping. but I, like, again, I have a strong opinion on this that, like, I have uh, – I've worked since I was, what, I don't know, 13 years old. No, and mate, I never and I never thought, you know, and it's taken me from – it's taken me through all sorts of yeah. jobs, careers. I never knew what I wanted to do. I, like, I just kept making decisions at the time thinking, oh, yeah, this this is the right next step. This is the right next decision moved into state, did all this sort of stuff, you know, and as I was saying. But even, your moods through then would even with the car in the right spot though. Well what I was gonna say was I always turned up to work, as I said earlier, with like I was supposed to be there, like I had a purpose, but I also believed that whatever job I was doing at the time was a stepping stone to take me to where I was ultimately supposed to to, to be and to become. Without knowing it. I didn't know what that was. I never knew what that was. It took one of my best mates to take his own life to completely turn my world upside down again, and it's it's and 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 build a rela- an unlikely relationship with hey, a bloke who I just shouldn't have met. You know what I mean? Like the way that we came together was ridiculous. Can you get this expression in the and cut s- that in? and and suddenly <laughs> and suddenly and suddenly it it comes together. But I think uh, like I did. It was defined, I but the do, thing was people. You need to fall forward. Yeah. You kept falling forward. You weren't stopped. You weren't digging yourself down. I think to people recognising um, or people around them who care about them will often recognise before the person that this is not a happy match. Mm. And if you if you recognise frilly behaviour, you know, are they hiding behind something or are they um, pretending everything's okay, it's all great, but they're really bluffing or they're mistreating people because really inside – you know, people that are uh, not looking after their team, it's not always ignorance. Sometimes it's it's there or frilly themselves. They're super scared but they mm. don't know any other reaction. And that's something that's – look, there's lots of psychs out there and there's lots of mental health people as specialists but in the end I just tried to use simple language and talk to people from the heart and give them an opportunity to say what they think in a safe space and out of that that was a privilege – but also, too, it meant that we as a partner in the fact that they were honest to me and I allowed them to say whatever they wanted, we could then work towards a direction, whether that was in the organisation they were in or whether they need to have some time off. You know, we've got to look after each other and if nothing else, surely COVID-19 is actually sisters. We're in this together. And a rainbow is no good if it's got a colour missing. So we all need to actually work together. <gasps> Love it. I mean, they're still kind of all right to look at. Like, they're not perfect, but, you know. I suppose, but if there's there's no yellow, you're in trouble. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, that was a pretty bloody deep dive. Oh, yeah. That was gone on forever. uh, Congratulations. If someone has survived to go to the very end of this, I think you actually need a medal. No, it was good. Well, Uh, I think it was. We'll find a way to ram it down their throats. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was great. Thanks so much, Leanne. Um, Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll chuck the. 
Yeah, we'll get these resources and stuff in the yeah in this podcast on the website, and people can check it all. And out. I'll make sure that it's accessible on the Facebook page yeah. and whatever. It's just awesome. a simple grid, but it just if that mood meter works for you, there's also two um, some things. Look, I've forty years overnight success. Really, I've just been working <laughs> under contracts. Um, in private arrangements with lots of companies and it's just been a, an absolute joy and I've worked behind the scenes. So I've just emerged thinking pretty well done more working life than I've got left now. So if I'm ever going to do an impact, I have to do a bit of a run now and there's a lot of people that have got mental health crush injuries that we just need to give them some rest and give them some guidance to get out of. 100%. Well, let me just bloody get take one bloody selfie here while we're Not going to fit me get in. Get your head in there. <laughs> I uh, locked the phone. <laughs> That's on video. Okay. Leanne, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Leanne. uh, Wish you all well, everyone. Thank you. Take it easy. (laughs) If you're a fan of Trademutt's 120 Grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com.